We have a disaster called the big lie, Obamacare. What happens to those 20 million people who have health insurance? I believe, many people in my own state believe, that health care is a right, R-I-G-H-T, regardless of income. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290, KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290, KOIL mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is presented by HKG Medicare Solutions, Renaissance Captive Solutions, the Omaha Press Club, self-funded plan administrators, and caring for people services. This program is produced by E.D. Bellis and available worldwide on iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. They finally did it. They unveiled their replacement plan. GOP members, without a leak, releasing their ACA replacement plan. And we are going to have plenty of coverage of that on this week. Welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're doing well. 402-342-1290 is the number if you want to jump in. But you better be quick because we've got a ton to talk about this week. Top story of the week is the American America's Healthcare Act, AHCA, uh, and a law to amend the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, which is the focus of this show, America's Healthcare Challenge, been on the air for about five years, telling you uh, about in real time about all of the changes to the law. And there has been a lot of impact uh, all across the board, whether it's insurance policies changing and people being priced out of the market. I think there's many people that would say that the Affordable Care Act simply is not working. And so the question that we're going to take a look at this week on the show is, is this the answer to fixing the failed Affordable Care Act? And I think at some point we need to establish that the the law has has some, some serious problems. And I think many people will ha- will say that. Alan Hager, who's joining us here this week uh, on America's Healthcare Challenge with, with his thoughts. And we're also going to hear from Jesse Schoolnick, host of the famous podcast, Grab Them by the Pod, uh, who is also a Senate colleague of mine, host of his own podcast, and also a lobbyist weighing in on some of the industry fallback and strategy that they'll be doing. But, Alan, uh, I've been busy this week, to to say the least, as somebody that's uh, job is to keep up with all of these things. Man, there's a a lot going on, and and it was interesting to see a 2,000-page bill replaced with wasn't nearly that many. I think it was, what, a... 60 to 100 pages. Yeah, it was like uh, 60, 67 pages, I believe. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's been a lot of things going, a lot of information flowing, and uh, a lot of things going on right now, how, how this is uh, going to take shape over the next three to five weeks. Right, right. And uh, But uh, one of the things that it did get was a universal uh, panic or universal panning i guess i would say a lot of people panned it including members of of the the republican party let's take a moment and listen to senator Rand paul from kentucky who's a a physician but he has been one of the people that's been chiming in on this fresh off of his uh, adventure last week trying to find a copy uh, of the bill i don't know if you uh, follow him on twitter but that was uh, pretty interesting seeing all those pictures of him on his scavenger hunt let's listen to him on uh on the ACA and its replacement, the AHCA. 
But House Republicans say the premiums are going to spike even more once you repeal it altogether. Well, that's why you replace it. And what you replace it with are market reforms. Okay. We get rid of the mandates, which I think Paul Ryan would agree with. You expand health savings accounts, and then you expand health care associations. These associations sure. are like co-ops or buying pools. All great and ideas, but House Republicans also tell me that you can't get to 60 votes with that. So it's well, not going to go anywhere. You know, I can't be blamed if somebody won't vote for something. It's, still, it's not a bad idea. If but how do you bring Democrats in, is their point, well, to get to 60 votes? Well, we have to convince people that it's a good idea, and we bring it forward. But the problem is, is they've brought forward things that are very controversial and that conservatives don't like. Conservatives hate their bill. I promise you, Obamacare light, dead on arrival. They might as well just start over. You're hearing okay. other voices. I'm not the only voice saying this. And so what they should do is clean it up, get rid of the Obamacare light stuff, get rid sure. of the taxes, the subsidies, the mandates, the bailouts. I've pushed you and on just do repeal. What they so that was uh, him uh, calling it Obamacare light. Reminds me of a beer commercial, the Keystone Light commercials. Alan, do you remember? those and uh my column this week that you can check right. out if you're listening is obamacare light leaves bitter taste after after first reading right and, and it did oh it, a lot of people yeah it, including mine what do you think well um let me tell you what i think about this because i've been waiting <laughs> all week foaming at the mouth oh to, yeah because uh, i honestly think and i'm gonna go one step uh uh, Representative Thomas Massey out of Kentucky called it called it what it exactly is, in my opinion, a pile of garbage uh, with Obamacare light. Uh, it doesn't actually repeal it. It keeps intact the majority of 24 regulations and maintains the Obamacare framework. The individual mandates are repealed, but pre-existing conditions stay intact. And insurance companies must cover high-risk pre-existing conditions with no way to pay for it because they eliminate all the taxes. Uh all the young, healthy adults can now get now opt out. It keeps the Cadillac tax in place, which we've talked about extensively on the show through 2025. They just kick the can down to 2020. Kick the Keystone Light, the Obamacare Light. Can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it expands Medicaid. It's a watered down version that does little to expand health savings accounts. It allows insurance companies to assess a 30% penalty uh, on. This, this is something we're going to get into in, later in the show yeah. because this is a big issue. It's, it's, it's still a penalty. It's just a different type of doing well, and, the penalty. Well, and instead of it going to the IRS, it goes to the insurance company. Uh, it's <laughs> been dubbed Medicare for everyone under 65. Uh, like Obama Medicaid expansion, the per capita block grants in this bill encourage states to fill up their Medicaid roles. By doing this, states are given a greater share of Medicaid dollars. So Medicaid expansion is still there. This does nothing for free market economic reforms. Again, I don't think through any of this we're going to see a cut in the cost. I don't. The CBO hasn't even scored this bill. Well, and that's and this is where and we don't even know what the cost yeah, is going to be. And, and we're gonna we'll get into that as well in the next segment because I think that this is the um, you know the um, the referee referees haven't even gotten involved in this game yet. right and that. And that's when it, well, let's go through quickly here so, some of the major things uh, comparing the two uh, insurance mandates, individual mandate and employer mandate um, uh, under the ACA that that exists under the new one. Uh, no individual or employer mandate. However, employers still have to report coincidentally, which is arguably more of a burden than the mandate itself. 
and insurers can oppose this 30% surcharge on consumers for lapse in coverage. Right. And well, and on the insurance companies, it's interesting that you bring up insurance companies because under Obamacare, they had a $500,000 tax deduction on a CEO salary. And now under the AHCA, they can deduct 100% of the CEO's salary package, not just his base salary, but everything, including stock options, his own health care insurance uh, retirement package, the whole nine yards. Maybe that's why they're, they're saying that some of these reforms are, are stabilizing the market. The insurers haven't really come out against this yet. Have the, the, we no. see the AMA and the ACP, and so the physicians and some of the providers have, have come out against this. Well, because they, they didn't write the bill. The yeah. bill looked like it's been written by the insurance lobby. We've got Medicaid, which is a whole whole nother can of worms. We'll, we'll spend the fourth segment looking at this Medicaid thing. And you brought up a good point. Somebody uh, brought up a Walking Dead reference in that states are going to be incentivized, like you said, to even keep people on Medicaid after they die because they're going to continue to get those federal funds. Right. And at some point, we're just going to have to have a, a, an honest conversation about how somewhat wrong all of this is just moving money around from one place to the other without really solving any problems well yeah and here's here's one other thing that under the ahca medicaid would no longer have to cover basic mental health and addiction services in medicaid expansion states as of 2020 that's a huge one because mm-hmm. that takes out all 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 treatment all addiction treatment which you know, we have a lot of opioid treat, uh, addiction in a lot of states, including Nebraska. And Medicaid covers a lot of that. Well, under this legislation, that goes away. Yep. And that's something that's uh, an epidemic in, in in its own right. And then we have, you mentioned uh, health savings accounts. They increase the um, amount that individuals can can put into there, which I think is a good thing. Uh, the, the ACA limited... Uh, those contributions, but I, I don't think a health savings account is the answer to our health care problems, despite what uh, some of these uh, these people in Washington have to say. Well, and again, how does the sick, the sickest of the sick and the poor, you know, and those who are low income, you know, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, how do we how do we provide them with health savings accounts? I mean, I think that, you know, we talk about tax credits and yet again, we're talking about something that uh, is a loophole in the tax code and we're not getting to the real reforms that we need to not only subsidize or take care of health care, but also from a tax reform perspective, our tax policy is growing by leaps and bounds. And here we have another probably hundred pages of tax code that's gonna change. Let me jump in here real quick, Sean. I want to ask you about that health savings account comment you just made. And Alan, basically your your response to that from what I'm from what I'm hearing is that well how are we going to take care of like poor people that don't have you know accounts and stuff like? What about for what about for the majority of people that do that that can that does the health savings account not work for a lot of people in that in that in the in the argument that it that it puts the power back into the consumer like like something uh, uh, Speaker Ryan was saying is that when you put the power of of the dollar back in the in the hands of the consumer. And give them the opportunity because this is something we've talked about on the show over the weeks, and that right. is that this isn't a coverage problem. This is a co- we have a cost problem, not a coverage problem. Does does the health savings account is there no um, is there no justification in that argument 
that the health savings account does put the power of the consumer into the equation and give them a chance to try to fight down some of these skyrocketing costs? That's my question. Well, it does to, to, to some extent, but a, what Alan's talking about is people that can't even afford to save in their own savings account. How are they going to be able to put money away in a, right. in a health well, savings account? Unless they're, they they really make sense if the employer actually contributes to the health savings account because then that goes towards covering you know the deductible costs and so on and so forth. Yes, absolutely, we've got to get consumers more in, engaged in the equation, but I don't know that HSAs are, are the way to do it. Technology, I think, is the way to do it. Yeah, and Matt, I, I, I don't disagree Okay, with your the premise of your question about health savings accounts, but I would also say that when you have an $8,000 $8, deductible and you're paying or you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you're putting a little bit of money back, say $2,000, and you have a major illness, and all of a sudden you get a bill for $8,000, that HSA doesn't help you. And so I, I guess that's what Rand Paul is getting at, is we don't see that HSAs in its own nutshell is the end-all, be-all to solve all the issues. Right. And so... Uh, we're going to get into the other issue, which is going to be the Congressional Budget Office and how much uh, some of these tax, uh, re re um, I guess they're repealing some of these taxes. How, how is that going to impact the overall cost of the law? How is that going to also impact the potential for tax reform, which is another issue on the agenda? And then after that, uh, we're going to have Jesse Skolnick uh, joining us, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that the industries might be doing, such as the powerful lobbyists who own uh, the members of Congress. Uh, Action-packed episode of America's Healthcare Challenge online, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. And at the end of the show, we'll read you some of the comments from there. They're pretty entertaining. Go check them out right now. We'll be right back conference he left out that he keeps the obamacare taxes for a year then he keeps the cadillac tax forever he keeps the obamacare subsidies but renames them you know tax credits he keeps the individual mandate mm -hmm. 